Hi, everybody. Welcome to Cheetash. My name is Chris, and today we've got a special episode with local author of the Northville, Michigan area who wrote the book Motor City Drama, Behind the Scenes, Building the Big Three with Ford, Durant, and Chrysler, and surprised me today with a new book hmm. entitled, uh, what's the title of your new book, Russell? Uh, they Put America in the Air, Behind the Scenes, Building the Commercial Aircraft Industry with the Wright Brothers, Bill Boeing, and Donald Douglas. Nice. Yeah, and you said that this came out uh, just this year. Uh, just okay. a month ago, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. And your Motor City drama, that came out in 2021? Correct. Was it? Okay. Nice. So you've been, you've had a busy couple mm-hmm. years. Right. Those were my COVID projects. <laughs> wow. How, how long did Motor City drama take you to write? I suppose off and on, uh, I worked at it uh, probably over nine months, but um, during the Christmas holidays and so forth, I didn't work on it much. So uh, if I put it all together, you know, maybe maybe six months. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a lot of my research done. So Wow. Very cool. It's, it's, it's tough to write a book from what I hear. So the fact that you have two out, I mean, that's pretty impressive to me. Well, I had been giving presentations on these uh, people to libraries and other organizations uh, for several years. So again, I had my background research done. I kind of knew these people, if you will. And so uh, that that helped a lot. If I would have had to start from scratch and and do all the research, I still had to add a little bit of research. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Um, Before I get into my questions, because, and we were talking before, Mm Before we started on, I, I have some questions about you, your uh, production company, okay. uh, the Motor City Heritage Area, the Henry Ford Heritage Association, and of course your book. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a little historical excerpt that you wanted to read? Yeah. If yeah. you wanted to start with that. Okay. And uh, give, give you a flavor of the, of the book. Um, well, what I did is... Uh, uh, let me let me tell you why I wrote a fictional history. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I give these presentations using PowerPoint slides and so forth, and I give them to libraries and independent living facilities and uh, historical societies and whoever wants to invite me. And people would always ask me, did I have a book? And I said, no, there are enough books on Henry Ford and Billy Durant and Walter Chrysler. What could I add? Well, one person said after one of the sessions, you talk about the interactions between these people and why don't you do something maybe of a fictional nature on this? And so again, during COVID, I got thinking about this and I thought, well, uh, people report on the facts. For instance, uh, there was a meeting where Billy Durant got Henry Ford and two others together to try to start General Motors and it didn't work out. And so that's what history reports. They had the meeting where it was and the fact that some of the issues, but it's all stated, you know, in the third person. And so I thought, what if I took people into those conversations and actually made up the conversations based on my best estimate of what they would have said based on my knowledge of these people? And, and that's what I did. So, uh, so I didn't change history. I added to it as authentically as I could and kind of make these people come alive. Yeah. So we'll give you a flavor of this. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. 
this is actually uh, from chapter one, uh, the very first uh, part of the book. And chapter one is called Henry Ford Gets Things Rolling. And so uh, I'll, uh, here, here's the excerpt. In the spring of 1903, Alexander Malcolmson greeted Henry Ford at the Malcolmson Coal Company offices in Detroit. Henry, thanks for coming in today. I'm speaking on behalf of a group of about a dozen investors, which I pulled together. We're sorry that your last company, the Henry Ford Company, didn't work out for you. At any rate, we're impressed with your racing success, and we know you have a lot more name recognition now. Your 999 racer really is a winner, especially with Barney Oldfield driving it. We know you're also the best engineer in this new automobile industry. So we would like to set up another new company and call it the Ford Motor Company. You'd be vice president and chief engineer. What do you think? Henry looked puzzled. Honestly, I'm a bit surprised. As you know, my first company, the Detroit Automobile Company, failed, and I was pushed out of my second company, the Henry Ford Company. So you still want me involved? Yes, Henry, definitely. I believe in your ability, and as I said, your name is a huge asset now because of the racing. I'm confident we can make it work this time. So I would get my name on the company and some stock, I assume, along with a salary. Who would run the company? Malcolmson replied quietly, John Gray, a banker, will be president. He'll supply the financial knowledge we need to be a successful business. Henry leaned back in his chair. I don't know, Alex. You know, I'm 39 years old and certainly don't want to be involved with another failure. But I sure love this business and want to succeed. You know the saying, if you don't succeed at first, try, try again. I fully agree with that. But there is another part that says, then quit before you make a fool of yourself. So this would be my last try. Tell you what, let me talk to Clara about this. My wife is always very supportive. In fact, I call her my great believer. Let me talk it over with her, and I'll get back with you. That evening, after dinner, he talked with Clara, and once again, she believed. The Ford Motor Company was founded in June of 1903. So that's the first segment from the first chapter. Excellent. Very cool. Yeah, I really, that's the part of this book that I really found appealing was it read like a, felt like I was reading a movie script mm -hmm. uh, versus, you know, I've read other history books where it's just fact, fact, mm -hmm. fact, fact, fact. And it's great and I learn a ton from it, uh, but there's been some history books where they are so dense and so detailed um one example that i just read was uh rick atkison um wrote a book on the first few years of the revolutionary war and he was so detailed and i appreciate it but it, it was tiring getting yeah. through that book. i know what you mean i've just read a book on uh, ulysses grant and and uh, who i find fascinating but uh, every battle you know, just <laughs> too many yeah. details, and you get to the point where, okay, I understand it, and mm -hmm. uh, but I don't need to know whether 37 soldiers were killed or 39. <laughs> Was that the Ron Chernow book? Uh, probably, yeah. Okay, yeah, because yeah, I, I, it's funny. I had a friend who yeah. just read a Ulysses S. Grant yeah. book, and it was uh, Ron Chernow, and he's written, uh, he wrote a book on Washington, mm -hmm. 
uh, Rockefeller, um, Hamilton. Um, but yeah, yeah, sure. There's tons of details yeah. with any of these cast of characters right. throughout history. And I enjoyed the fact that you made them come alive mm -hmm. in this book. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I found it very fascinating and I learned a lot and some things that I'm going to ask you about okay. um, a little bit later. I, f I first wanted to start out and just ask you, um, who is Russell Dore? <laughs> like, uh, where are you originally from? Okay. Well, I grew up, I was born in Frankfurt, Michigan. My dad was a cook on the car ferries and then I moved to Manistee. I grew up in Manistee on Lake Michigan. Uh, Went to Michigan State, uh, got my bachelor's and master's in psychology. Went out to University of Washington, got a doctorate in educational psychology. Worked actually as a, in management development and training uh, for much of my career. Uh, and, and so I was always interested in leadership. So almost everything that I do uh, is, is tied in with leadership. These, these are leaders, obviously. Uh, and so uh, that, that's kind of, I guess, the theme of my life is, is helping develop leaders and studying leaders. Uh, then uh, in recent years, I, I did a little private practice in psychology here in the Northville area. Uh, and throughout my life, I've, I've had a hobby of acting. I was in the drama club in high school, and uh, I started a community theater group in Northville called the Northville Players, which ran for about 10 years uh, before the tipping point professional theater came in. Then my group, Doré Productions, uh, did Murder Mysteries at Gennetti's Restaurant in Northville. Oh, yeah. <coughs> yep. And, excuse me. <coughs> and, <coughs> and then we went on the dinner train out of Wall Lake and did our Murder Mysteries. And then I got invited to do a historical thing to write something at the Botsford Inn about uh, Henry Ford, uh, Harvey Firestone, Thomas Edison. And so we developed... Uh, uh, something that was an interactive thing where people ask us questions, we pass them out, <laughs> mm -hmm. and then we answer them, but we got the audience involved. So so uh, I've kind of gravitated now toward toward my Doré productions mm -hmm. and kind of left the psychology practice. I do a little consulting, but uh, I do two things. I do these PowerPoint presentations on Ford, uh, Billy Durant, uh, Walter Chrysler, the Dodge Brothers, and others. And then I have another one that the interactive productions where we have actors portray Henry Ford, um, Harvey Firestone, and Thomas Edison. And uh, then I've gravitated with those into some, again, my interest in leaders. Uh, so I do Franklin Roosevelt and his wife. I have an actress that works with me. And uh, Harry Truman and his wife. Uh, and the recent one, one we're doing right now is Orville Wright and his mm -hmm. sister, Catherine. Uh, so I have a lot of fun with these uh, interactive ones. Yeah. It, how long has, have you had Dory Productions? How long has it been since you've oh, I, th I think I started it in um, 1991 at, uh, when oh, wow. I did uh, Star Genetti's mm -hmm. uh, Murder Mysteries. So. Oh, wow. And I've been doing the historical things for about, uh, 10 years, I guess. Well, we did the first one maybe 20 years ago wow. uh, at uh, Botsford, but then I started uh, writing more of them about five or six years ago. Okay, wow. 1991, Northville looked a lot different. It did. In 1991. <laughs> we moved here, um, my family, in 2001. 
and even compare 2001 to 2022 it's even that's different right i can't even imagine <laughs> 1991 yeah um what was your you know it's funny reading mm-hmm. reading this book motor yeah. city drama um are you big into cars like are, do, are you do you have like a like a knack for well no n- not really uh to be honest i love cars yeah I've, i like convertibles i've had uh i've had convertibles pretty much most of my life uh along with a, a sedan too mm-hmm. but uh and uh so i like cars but i you know i'm not a i'm not real mechanical i don't work on them um i did work as the director of human resource development for the Fruhoff Corporation, which was the largest trailer manufacturer in the world. And we owned Kelsey Hayes, which is a brake and wheel manufacturer. And uh, so I did management development training in a lot of plants, uh, Kelsey Hayes plants in Canada and the U.S. and and the Fruhoff um, dealerships where they sold and repaired trailers. So that was my kind of on-hands experience in the transportation industry. But I no, I actually kind of got into this through through the acting because mm-hmm. uh, I developed this uh, the murder mysteries, and then a friend said that the owner of the Botsford Inn wanted what he called a fireside chat with Ford, Firestone, and Edison because he had a picture of them there. They used to Henry Ford used to own the Botsford Inn mm-hmm. and had a room for Edison when he came to town, and he said I want people to come in for dinner and have a discussion with these people so that's where we wrote the interactive thing so that was the history thing uh and then uh i i got invited to do that before a group called the henry ford heritage association which is a great organization you can find their website i think it's h f h a and they celebrate the life of henry ford and try to keep his uh, history uh current uh and so i uh, did that for a dinner for them, and then I was invited to join a group in um, uh, 2013 celebrating Henry Ford's 150th birthday anniversary, wow. and so uh, I did that, and that's kind of where I got more pulled into the history thing, mm-hmm. and we had a PowerPoint presentation on Henry Ford that somebody else wrote, and I, I gave some of them, and then I realized there was no presentation like that around on Billy Durant or Walter Chrysler or the Dodge Brothers and so I started writing these so I kind of got in backed in through the acting mm-hmm. <coughs> into presentations and and historical things wow very cool very cool um uh, going back to the car thing just two um two really quick questions yeah. Uh, what was your first car that you owned? Well, <clears throat> I learned to drive on our family car, which mm-hmm. was a 1937 Pontiac. Wow. Now, I'm old, <laughs> but I'm not that old. That that car was, you know, a 10-year-old car, and that was our family car. Wow. We, we didn't have a lot of money, and it had a, a stick shift, but it was the long stick shift that started at the floor mm-hmm. and came all the way up. Wow. Yep. Wh- and... Second question: What's your favorite car? Favorite car that I've that I've had? Yeah. Well, I had a Triumph TR4. Wow. And uh, that that was fun. That was Ford's car, and uh, I, I guess that was wow. and, and that was my. I think my first new car that I ever bought. Mm-hmm. The other side all bought used. <laughs> Very cool. Um, speaking of the 
the production company. Um, and you were saying mm-hmm. the different uh, groups that you do mm-hmm. these yeah. uh, presentations for. It, just a question mm-hmm. on your audience, your typical audience. Mm-hmm. Does it skew older? Is it younger? Is it mostly guys, gals? Uh, it's, what would you say? Uh, it, it tends to be a senior audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they like history. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's fun because I'll go to a library and uh, I did. I just did one at a library, and and there was a young fella there, you know, who was uh, a high school or a college sophomore, and I, I was really glad to to see him there, and I kind of got talking with him afterwards. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. I think that we don't have more interest in um, younger people in history, and uh, but like me, you know, you kind of get interested in it when you've lived more of it, maybe. Mm, yeah. I know what you're yeah. saying. Um, even when I was, like, in high school, I you couldn't catch me reading a history book. But mm-hmm. it's funny now, it's kind of like all I read, uh-huh. like mostly yeah. what I read. Um, so, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. I'm, I'm starting to think about how am I going to tell my kids about, like, the history that I've lived so I've actually started reading books on just like current stuff that I've lived through. Good. Just to put things into more context mm-hmm. so I can tell my children like yeah, here's what was happening while you know you were you weren't quite born yeah. yet. Yeah. Um well, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll give you some <laughs> insights into that from yeah. my perspective is <laughs> you know <laughs> your kids probably won't show a lot of interest in it early on. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, I could see that. Uh, now, I do have a, a grandson that loves Greenfield Village and loves history, and it's, it's kind of, you know, unusual. But, uh, again, most most young people, uh, so y- you need to keep it short and sweet <laughs> what you tell them. But I think <laughs> later on they'll appreciate it. And, mm-hmm. and as they get older, you can have more conversations with them, or maybe you'll spur their interest in history. That's I I know I appreciate that. Um, I'm definitely <laughs> gonna keep that in mind yeah. <laughs> when I when we have these discussions. Um, you you had mentioned the Motor City Heritage Area, and you got elected to that board of is it four Bo- people? Board of directors. Oh, there's about uh, I think a dozen of us on the board of directors. Oh, a dozen. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got elected in was it 2018? Or uh, well, let's see. Uh, gosh, I'm not sure. I've been on it. Uh, I think about five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Somewhere in there. Um, was that s- like to get elected to mm-hmm. that? Like I'm picturing mm-hmm. like a like an election. Like, <laughs> did you have to go out and campaign? Oh no, like no. This is uh, this is a uh, first of all, the Motor City's National Heritage Area is. Um, part of the National Park Service. And there are 50 National Heritage Areas throughout the country, but we're the only one that's an automotive heritage area. Mm. And uh, again, a great website, uh, motorcities.org. You can sign up and get a free uh, short article on history emailed to you every week, which is really fun. And then it also has 
uh, things about uh, what's upcoming events. For instance, I'm doing a presentation on Henry Ford at the uh, Livonia Library coming up, and that will be posted there. So okay. it's a great source. Uh, but the um, uh, really, because of my work with the Henry Ford Heritage Association and giving this Henry Ford presentation, mm -hmm. why there were some people there that were involved in Motor Cities also that were helping to celebrate the Ford's uh, 150th anniversary. So okay. they invited me, you know, to join the board. And uh, the board uh, discusses candidates and, you know, selects those that they feel are the best fit and invites them to join. Mm -hmm. yeah. No campaigning. <laughs> <laughs> and so are there, are there a lot of members of the Motor City Heritage Area? Uh, yeah, we have uh, several hundred members and, and a lot more mm -hmm. people that follow our website. Yeah. Uh, we do encourage people to join. We get most of our money from the uh, Park Service, but we do have to raise a certain percentage. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's 30 bucks to join. It's a good cause. And it's 20 bucks for seniors. And, and it, you know, it helps us meet our requirements to have uh, our own funding. Mm -hmm. uh, Lately, uh, if you're driving around Michigan, uh, our heritage area stretches from here over to western Michigan where the Gilmore Museum around uh, Kalamazoo goes up through Flint. And uh, as you drive in these areas, you'll see big roadside signs saying you are now entering the Motor Cities National Heritage Area. Mm. And those just came up mm -hmm. uh, during the last year. That was one of our major projects. I didn't, you know, and it's funny because I was on the, the website a little bit and I didn't realize how many, like, locations there were across the state that were these Motor City mm -hmm. Heritage areas. Like, up, not just this area, right. too, like Metro Detroit, but mm -hmm. Lansing, uh, Kalamazoo. Pontiac. I was Pontiac. just up in Pontiac last week uh, at a... Um uh, an event where they're uh, uh, reopening the Pontiac Transportation Museum soon. Oh, and wow. that's a museum that uh, is fairly new, and it uh, has uh, most a lot of Pontiac cars, mm -hmm. but uh, not just Pontiacs, you know, cars, cars of all sorts. And it's, it's a huge building, and it's just things like that that uh, we, we don't find easily. And Motor Cities helps people find those places and go to them. I mean, that's something I definitely, you know, I always used to think, oh, if I want to see, like, historic automotive mm. history stuffs, right. there's Greenfield Village. Yeah. And, th and that's all right. I thought about in my mind. But then looking at that map on the Motor City Heritage site, I, I was shocked yeah. at just yeah. the sheer number in the state. Um, well, one of my favorites is the Paquette Museum. Uh, in Detroit, <laughs> it was the the plant that it wasn't Henry Ford's first plant, but it was where the Model T was designed, and it's a small museum, three floors, mm -hmm. and uh, it has the the secret room where Henry walled off a room at the end while he was designing the Model T because he didn't want anybody to, uh, you know, steal his ideas because the people like the Dodge brothers were suppliers and he didn't want them seeing because he knew they they had their own small company too, so it's just a lot of fun. And um, and they also uh, Henry Ford started uh, uh, with the alphabet. His first car was a Model A, not the Model A you see today, but a different Model A, and then B, C through on up. And this museum has every letter car that was ever built by Henry Ford, 
Yeah, they just acquired this from another location. So it's it's even if people wow. haven't been there for a while, now that you can see all these uh, letter cars. Wow, you said that was in Detroit? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, wow. On Paquette Avenue. <laughs> Paquette Avenue, okay. Wow, and again, the Henry Ford, uh, uh, the National Heritage Area, uh, the, the um, you, you, if you join, you get discounts at almost all of these museums. Mm -hmm. So, Wow, that's very cool. If people are in the area then, or living in this area, they should mm -hmm. definitely check that out. Uh, check out that Motor City Heritage Area website. Um, let's get into your book. Okay. Motor City Drama. Behind the scenes, building the big three with Ford, Durant, and Chrysler. One of the things that stood out to me was just the the relationship between these companies and how they came together. And I I didn't realize it. Like some some of these companies were started by people who worked at the other companies. Right, right. Um, one of them you just mm -hmm. mentioned, the Dodge brothers were working uh, at, were they working at Ford before they well, started? Well, they, they, actually, the Dodge brothers built most of the original uh, Ford cars. Wow. Uh, the, uh, uh, the Model A and uh, the original Model A and then uh, some of the other early models that were successful, mm -hmm. they built the... Um, uh, you know, the transmissions, the engines, everything pretty much but the body and the wheels. Mm -hmm. And then Henry Ford just assembled those <laughs> at his, at his uh, first plant. And so, uh, yeah, and then they, they finally had some disagreements with him, as I uh, mm -hmm. portray in the book. And, and they had started a small company, and they, they sold their stock. Mm -hmm. uh, they had invested uh, $10,000, and they walked away with $25 million. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And so... They use that money to start their own company and compete with Henry. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. I yeah. I definitely. I like. I like their story. Mm -hmm. Makes me think because I have two brothers. Makes me think, man, if we would have put our heads together <laughs> w with uh, some idea, maybe we could have could have done something, made like a family business. Mm -hmm. Although we did have my dad had a. Uh, bakery. So I guess we did mm -hmm. have a family business, but none of us were interested <laughs> in the bakery. <laughs> um, the other one that comes to mind, mm -hmm. of course, is uh, Walter Chrysler, mm -hmm. you know, worked for Billy Durant. Uh, Billy Durant founded General Motors and then uh, he brought Walter Chrysler in and he worked his way up to president of the uh, Buick division. And uh, again, then he had a, a parting of the ways mm -hmm. <laughs> and left and formed his own company. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's funny mentioning GM. I didn't realize all these other companies that came together mm -hmm. to form GM. And like I see the cars today, like I, you know, you see Cadillac mm -hmm. or you see GMC, mm -hmm. uh, you see these brands, but they kind of started out as other companies. All of them did. Everyone. Yeah. Billy Durant really in the beginning never never designed you know his own quote GM car. Mm -hmm. He wow. he started with Buick mm -hmm. that he had taken over uh, at the request of a friend to to help it uh, succeed, and then started adding companies to it. Mm -hmm. uh, unlike Henry, who 
really built a Ford and kept building Fords and only Fords until he bought uh, Lincoln. But yeah, totally different starts between Henry Ford and Billy Durant. Yeah, do you think I was one was one avenue better than the other? Like, was the GM route of adding all these other mm-hmm. car companies was that better than Henry Ford's way of just, hey, I'm just going to stick to what I know. I'm building my own automobile. Was one business, I'm going to call them like a business Mm -hmm. strategy, was one better than the other? Obviously, they both ended up being successful. Well, I think that's your answer. You know, you can get to success several different ways, and they Mm -hmm. were both extremely successful in their Mm -hmm. own right. Now, GM did become the largest corporation in the world or at least in this country mm-hmm. um but that was really not through the innovator billy durant that was um that w- that was later on mm-hmm. uh, but uh, uh it, it grew so uh, and um yeah it, it, i i can't you can't really say that one was better than the other mm-hmm. yeah that i guess you're right like they both i mean they're both here today. Right, so exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there were over 500 companies in the 20s that made cars in this country, uh, brands that you never heard of or uh, all over the country. And, and to think that these three somehow rose out of those 500 mm-hmm. to have 80% of the market is, is amazing. I mean, they each did things right in their own way. <laughs> I did not realize that's yeah. a lot. Yeah. Five hundred companies. Jeez. Um, you mentioned this earlier, uh, with that meeting that took place between uh Billy Durant, uh Henry Ford, and I forget the other gentleman uh you mentioned, but they Billy Durant mm-hmm. was trying to recruit Henry Ford to right. join GM and right. How how close was that to happening? Like, was Henry Ford actually seriously mulling this over? Did it have like a chance at uh, all of happening? Yeah, I can I can I can talk about that, or I could actually um, I could actually um, re- read you an excerpt. Uh, oh yeah, please. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I remember this part. Okay, well, let's just read some of that then. This is uh, Chapter 3, Billy Durant Founds General Motors. Uh, it was a big day for Billy Durant and his Buick Motors Company in the summer of 1908. He was launching a bold new venture as he greeted his guests, Henry Ford, Ransom Oles, and Ben Briscoe, at the door to his hotel suite at the Pontchartrain Hotel in Detroit. Good afternoon, Henry. How are you, Ransom? Good to see you, Ben. Have you both met Ben Briscoe of Maxwell Briscoe? Well, thank you all for coming in today. Sorry we had to move the meeting to my room here in the hotel. But I was afraid the press would make a big deal about us getting together since they had learned about our scheduled meeting at the Penobscot building. Don't get me wrong, this is a big deal, but we don't need to work on it in public. Durant motioned for them to sit down at the table and he offered them coffee and tea. I'll get right to the point. 
I think we can put together the world's best car company by combining our companies and our talents. Henry, you have a nice little company, and your Model N runabout is selling well. Your new Model T looks even better. Ransom, you build Oldsmobile into a fine company, and now you're building Rio Motors. I'm sure Rio will be an even better company than Oldsmobile now that you don't have to fight with your investors and are free to do things your way. Ben, your Maxwell brand is doing very well, as we all know. And there's my company, Buick Motors. Ben interjected, don't be so humble, Billy. Buick Motors is first in sales for the whole industry, which is over 400 companies. Billy smiled. Thanks, Ben. I know this merger was your idea, and the J.P. Morgan people talked to you about it. They put together several companies to form U.S. Steel, which worked out pretty well for all concerned. And they think we should do the same with the automotive companies. I know they suggested to you that we include the top 20 companies. Maybe I'm not a big enough thinker, but I felt we should keep it simple and start with the four of us. A lot better chance of putting together a deal. Henry spoke up. I think you're right. I like more straightforward, simple approaches myself. What about you other two fellows? Ransom nodded his head. Sounds good to me. I think we have a good crew here to do this. Ben chimed in. I guess I'll have to agree with you, fellas. We probably could add others later if we felt it made sense at the time. I'm in. Henry turned to Billy. Let's talk about the money. I talked with my young business manager, Jimmy Cousins, and he feels we would need about $3 million in cash, plus, of course, stock in the company. Billy replied, wow, I didn't think there would be a need for so much cash to get started. We'll all get stock in what will grow into the world's largest company. There should be plenty of payback down the line. Henry stood up, walked toward the window, and then turned back toward the group. You have to realize the Ford Motor Company is finally showing nice profits, and our stockholders, all 12 of us, have waited a while for that and feel that we need whoever finances this new operation to provide some incentive for us, giving up our independence. We feel we have a good future now. Maybe we'll never be one of the world's biggest companies, but this deal has to give us a better future than we would have on our own. Besides, I kind of like having my name on the building and not having to answer to anyone but my present stockholders, and even then, sometimes they can be a pain in the behind. So then they went on, and Ransom said, well, if you want cash, I want cash too. And uh, so Billy went to his bankers, and they said no, because he had been buying some other smaller companies that hadn't worked out, some had, and so uh, uh, he couldn't get the cash together, and so it didn't, it didn't, uh, it didn't happen. Wow! But it came close. If he, if yeah. he could have gotten the cash, Ford would have been a division of General Motors. <laughs> How different would our world today look? Do you think if if that happened? Well. Uh, <laughs> It'd be a division of General Motors, yeah. uh, and and you know probably not as competitive because um, it it really helps to have independent competitors, obviously, mm-hmm. and uh, and who knows because there was a period in GM where people felt that all of the divisions were looking too much alike. You know, you couldn't tell an Oldsmobile from a Cadillac. Oh, really? A Chevrolet? Yeah, wow. I think that was in the. Uh, 70s mm-hmm. maybe or 80s that uh, they they tried to kind of combine their engineering and stuff and and uh, uh, they merged they had a uh, Cadillac Pontiac Oldsmobile division I think and they tried to get some mm-hmm. 
um, benefits of size by combining those. But it ended up, <laughs> some people thought that the cars all looked too much the same. So that might have happened, you know, and Ford kind of would have gotten sucked in there and been uh, perhaps yeah. quite different looking. Wow. Um, speaking of this competition, uh, in in the book, it's it seems like I get the sense that they all obviously Walter Chrysler, Billy Durant, mm -hmm. Henry Ford, they all know each other. They've met with each mm -hmm. other. They talk to each other, see each other at these events. But behind the scenes, is there animosity between everybody? Like, is there a really like s fierce competition mm -hmm. between them where like if I'm like I, f I played football. So if, you know, during the practice week, we're all, you know, gung ho about, yeah. ah, we got to get Novi this week. Mm -hmm. And for one yeah. week we hate Novi. Yeah. Is there that hatred well, between? My impression. And again, many people have written on this and, and, uh, I, you know, I may not agree with all other people on this, but mm -hmm. my impression is that the early pioneers were more focused on what they were doing. You know, Henry was very stubborn. He had the Model T. He had over half the market at one time. And and his his staff was saying, you know, this Model T is getting kind of long in the tooth. And, and, sh and uh, uh, when uh, Chevrolet was formed, it competed with the Model T, and it had uh, a lot more features and a lot better design to some people, and they kept saying, you know, we got to change our model. These are the internal people, and, and Henry resisted. So uh, that stubbornness uh, cost him the lead. He was in the lead, and, and, and uh, General Motors jumped ahead. So, But I think they were more focused on, you know, what, what they were doing. Mm -hmm. uh, Walter Chrysler added a lot of design. He he was more interested in the exterior and in the design and the engineering too. Mm -hmm. But um, and and uh, and Durant was just kind of you know interested in pulling together all of the all of these companies and making the thing grow as as big as he could. Mm -hmm. So uh, I I think the competition you're talking about uh, happened after. Uh, the period of my book, I think, and that was when uh, Henry Ford II, Hank the Deuce, took over uh, um, Ford. Yeah, he was very competitive, and and he knew that Ford had been in the lead and and wanted to get it back from GM, and he was very competitive. And so, uh, th there are there are things written uh, that he actually flooded the market and was were selling cars below cost at one point just wow. to get the volume up so he could say he was the leader over Ford <laughs> yeah so he was he, he was in that real competitive age but I think the original mm -hmm. pioneers they were so busy you know doing what they can do best they knew they had competitors but uh, uh, they just tried to do the best thing they could and they, yeah they looked around and said um, Chrysler said how can you know we do better we, well we can we can put more uh, more beauty into the cars, into the design. Uh, mm -hmm. Henry wasn't so much into that. Speaking of Chrysler, uh, Chrysler really innovated as far as this streamlining 
right. the cars. Is that correct? Well, like, yeah, he, he overdid it. He had a, uh, because he came out of the locomotive business, the locomotives were getting real streamlined, and he looked at this one, and he, he designed a, uh, a streamlined car, and it was too far ahead. It, it just didn't sell. And so they took the same running gears and everything, and they just sort of modified it back down to a little more traditional, and it sold. So it's wow. a tough business. You know, you have to get ahead of the competition, but you get too far ahead, and people are a little cautious about buying something that looks too too odd. <laughs> I kind of liken it. It yeah. flashed into my head, like uh, if, if you've seen pictures of the Tesla pickup truck. It's yeah. very, very different. And... Uh, you know, I'm sure there are some people that say, great, I want to, you know, I want to be a pioneer. But a lot of owners are saying, I don't know if I want to buy that. Uh, you know, it's 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 too odd looking. Yeah. Uh, now, who knows? 20 years from now, you know, people may look back and say, hey, they all look that way. Tesla was ahead or it may end up being uh, <laughs> a dinosaur. <laughs> we don't yeah. know that. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Um and I actually did. I, I want to come back to mm. Tesla in a little mm. bit. Um, before that, though, it, it almost seems like you can't talk about the big three or the history mm. of automotive without um, labor mm -hmm. and the workforce. Right. From stuff I've listened to and read mm. during this time period, uh, lots of changes as far as uh, workers, workers' rights, mm -hmm. etc. I and I I know that might have started a little bit earlier, 1900s, with um, uh, Teddy Roosevelt mm -hmm. and some stuff that he was yeah. doing. But even during this time period and into the 1930s, we're getting into like Franklin Delano mm -hmm. Roosevelt's presidency, where he enacted um, a lot of changes. Mm -hmm. There was lots more unions coming about right. the mine workers union as well as the mm -hmm. uaw H how big of a role does does the relationship between labor and these automotive companies how what was that relationship like in the beginning and did that change as over the course right. of henry ford's life Billy oh Jones yes life? Uh, yeah, the, you know, the the workers, um, um, flooded to this area from all over the country as this industry grew, mm -hmm. and uh, it was it was a particularly people from the south. It was a better job, you know, than they, they could ever get there. So that they came for the money and everything. But then, as they sped up the assembly lines, uh, and it it was it was exhausting, you know, and and. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, they could fire them for no reason. Uh, there were all kinds of, uh, of issues. And uh, part of it, it, interestingly enough, uh, I'm reading a book right now by a, another fellow. I, I found his book at the Northville uh, a, a book uh, author's fair recently. Mm -hmm. And it's on the, um, uh, it, it, a lot of it centers around the hunger strike in the 30s. And uh, there, was, there was a march on Ford uh, because people were losing their homes. They didn't have enough to eat. And uh, there were some uh, communists that kind of infiltrated this and kind of helped, but uh, that really didn't matter. You know, the people were hurting. 
mm-hmm. and it didn't kind of matter who was helping push the cause. And so uh, they, they marched on Ford and uh, a bunch of people were killed and uh, that, uh, that kind of started things. And then uh, later on, there was a big sit-down strike at General Motors where they, they just refused to work. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, Chrysler and GM unionized. They finally said, you know, it's not worth fighting it, and there's so much violence, and, and uh, uh, let's negotiate with, the, with these folks. And Henry wouldn't. He was very stubborn. And so um, then later on, about four years after that, there was a famous Battle of the Overpass where Walter Ruther uh, was trying to sign some petitions, get people to sign petitions to join what he was forming the UAW. And uh, uh, a photographer said, I want you to stand up on this bridge and, and get a picture of you with the uh, Ford plant in the background. And about that time, a bunch of uh, Ford security people rushed him and beat him up with another fellow. But the photographer got pictures of this, uh, still pictures. And it was all over the country, you know, these guys all bloodied and beat. Uh, and so, um, again, uh, uh, supposedly, and it's pretty, uh, pretty much authentic, that uh, Clara Ford went to Henry and said, you know, these other companies have unionized. I'm tired of the violence. And, and uh, you know, he, Henry felt that he was taking care of his people. That w- and he did. When things were small, he was good. He would loan workers money or he would he would you know give give them money if they were hurting he was a compassionate person but as it grew uh it he couldn't do that anymore and and so he thought he was taking care of him anyway she said uh you know i'm gonna leave you if you don't uh if you don't uh, uh settle with the union and this violence keeps going and 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 so then they finally he was the last one that settled with the uaw and yeah. interestingly enough uh, the other two companies had wanted what they called a closed shop, where if you worked there, you had to join the union. And, and the companies didn't give the UAW that. Mm-hmm. And when Ford signed their contract, they got a union shop. <laughs> so in the end, they got, they got a better deal uh, when, wow. they, when, they finally, uh, when they finally did it. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, it, it seems like Henry Ford really, he wanted to keep everything internal like like with this example that you were just saying Mm -hmm. hey i'm taking i'm i feel like i'm taking care of people we don't need this Mm -hmm. outside help or the same thing with um was it bankers he did not really oh yeah he didn't um he didn't like bankers uh he uh he felt you know that that they made money um through interest and they didn't do any work uh, he built the world's largest plant, the Rouge plant, without borrowing a, a cent. You know, really, he had it. All, well, this was all profits from the Model T. Wow! Because the Model T was doing so well. So, yeah, he didn't didn't like bankers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he um, didn't need them either. Yeah, it didn't sound like <laughs> he needed them. Jeez. Um, going back to Tesla. Yeah. And. It, I know that these companies have persist today. Like you still see mm. Ford, GM, yeah. Fiat, Chrysler now, I guess. Um, but now you see Tesla. You see there's another company, um, Nikola Motors. There's mm. a Rivian. Oh yeah, right down the uh, right down the street here in Plymouth. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Super local. I and have a presentation, incidentally, uh, PowerPoint presentations on the 
called the history or called electric cars past present and future I so saw that, yeah. yeah so if anybody out there uh go to your local library <laughs> and tell them to uh, <laughs> schedule it because it's fun and it, it it talks about the whole history of electric cars and, and what's going on now and some guesses about the future and, and that's what i didn't realize this but there we've had electric cars oh before. yeah yeah and i remember seeing a list of the amount of electric cars mm. I, I don't know if it was electric car companies or electric mm. car brands that were present in like 1920s it was staggering oh well electric cars were were um, there were more electric cars than gasoline powered cars early on in the early 20s really wow um because the uh um you know they but they went short distances were the problem and they were expensive but uh you didn't have to crank them and and particularly women uh, either didn't have the strength to crank them, or mm -hmm. also the, that crank could flip around and break your wrist if you weren't careful oh, <laughs> about really? how you're doing it. So, um, in fact, Clara Ford drove electrics even after the Model T came out until they got the automatic starting mm -hmm. electric start. <laughs> so yeah, electrics were big for a while, and then. Wow. Um, when Henry brought the price of the Model T down so much with his assembly line, mm -hmm. uh, and the electrics were still very expensive, and the and the range was still not good. They didn't have the, the technology. You okay. know, they went maybe 60, 80 miles on a charge. Now we're up to, you know, three and 400 miles on a yeah. charge. H have you ever ridden in a, a Tesla? Yes, yes. My son has one. Does he? Yeah. They're zippy. They are. Fast. He wouldn't let me drive it, you know. <laughs> I, I was down in uh, Florida recently, and uh, one of the gentlemen I was down there with uh, had a Tesla, and it is the so fast. Mm -hmm. I it's it shocked me. Yeah, it actually brought tears to my eyes <laughs> yeah. because he didn't tell me that <laughs> he's gonna rev it up. Yeah, and he just he we turned right. Um, mm -hmm out of the street onto like the main yeah. highway and I had to grab a hold of the car because yeah. I felt like I was in a space shuttle. It just zoomed. Well, you know, there's, <laughs> there's no power transfer between an engine and a, and a transmission and everything. It's just all right yeah. direct. It's just yeah. <laughs> direct. And, um, but you know, the, the big three is, as you read every day, in fact, I have to change my presentation every week because more things are coming out, but, mm -hmm. uh, all of the com companies, uh, Ford, GM, and now Stellantis, which is the parent company of Chrysler, oh, they're okay. all investing big in electric. And mm -hmm. um, and it's only 3% of the market right now. <laughs> so, uh, you know, obviously their research shows that it's going to happen mm -hmm. um, and whether it'll happen as fast as people think or not. But they're selling out. They're selling out on uh, many of these models that come out. The mm -hmm. The Ford Mustang, I think, is sold out for several months, and yeah. uh, uh, so it's it's interesting. Uh, and there are a lot of issues, but that's another subject. Maybe we can <laughs> do that sometime. <laughs> um, I I want to play. I want to wrap this up with uh, a, a little game. Okay, can uh, can we do one thing before? Uh, yeah, we yeah. Wrap. Um, I, um, you know, we talk about the big three. This is the foundation of, of the big three. Mm -hmm. um, 
and uh, I would like to just read an excerpt from uh, chapter 11. Mm-hmm. And this is the big three has now been formed. Okay, the chapter is called Chrysler became becomes a major competitor, but it it kind of is is uh, the last time that I bring these three fellas together. Okay, and and, and you'll see why. So this is in 1934, and uh, Billy Durant has left General Motors, and he's founded his own company, Durant Motors. And so here's here's the uh, here's the ex- excerpt from from uh, chapter 11. Chrysler continued to grow, and by 1932, it was third in sales behind Chevrolet and Ford. By the end of 1932, GM, Ford, and Chrysler produced 85 percent of the total output of American cars, and the term the big three was born. In January 1934, a special issue of Fortune magazine was devoted to Walter Chrysler and his success in building his company. That month, Billy Durant hosted a lunch for the big three auto pioneers in a small private dining room at the Pontchartrain Hotel during the Detroit Auto Show to honor Walter. Billy Durant opened the discussion. Fellas, I'm glad we could all get together. I thought it would be a good idea to honor Walter. After all, it's not everyone that gets a special edition of Fortune magazine. Besides, I heard that he's thinking of retiring next year, so this may be kind of a last supper for the founders of the big three. Hope no one gets crucified as a result, though. The others chuckled. Just remember, Walter, that I brought you into the auto business when I was running GM, added Durant. Yes, and I imagine you remember why I left, Walter said, smiling. I know I wasn't the easiest guy to work for. You did a great job running Buick, and you know I hated to lose you. Yeah, I know you had a hard time letting go of some things, Billy, but it worked out well. I learned a lot at Buick, enough to start my own company. Eventually, I certainly appreciate my time there. Yes, I'll probably retire next year. I'll still be chairman, but I won't be involved in active management. I'm leaving that to K.T. Keller. Henry, we know that you've turned the Ford presidency over to Edsel some time ago, commented Billy. But I hear you're still pretty active in management. Yes, I have a lot to say in the company. Uh, Some feel I have too much to say. But I still have plenty of good ideas, and I don't want to waste them. Also, between the three of us here, Hetzel sometimes gets off on the wrong track, and I need to steer him back. Well, interjected Walter, I'm leaving all the steering to KT once I leave. I have a nice home in New York on the water on Long Island with a great view of the sound. A nice boat, looking forward to enjoying life. I've earned it. Billy, are you ever going to retire? You're older than me. When are you going to relax and enjoy life? Billy smiled. As you probably know, I lost interest in my car company and got more interested in investments. I started some stock pools where people could invest more easily. One of my partners was Joe Kennedy. Now, you might have heard that they called me King of the Bulls on Wall Street back then. That is, until a market crash back in 29. Almost wiped me out financially. During this time, Durant Motors fell on hard times, and we had to declare a company bankruptcy last year. But to answer your question about retirement, I am more like Henry. I guess work is my answer to enjoying life. I may never retire. Now, I have a new venture that I'm excited about, bowling alleys. Bowling alleys, questioned Henry. Right, replied Billy, his eyes lighting up. Now you only find them in fancy hotels, private clubs, and office buildings. I think there is a market for public bowling alleys. 
where anyone can go pay a fee and bowl with friends and family and have a drink and some lunch, too. Sounds interesting, commented Walter. Is there enough money in that for someone like you? You're used to big-time operations. Well, there certainly is. I'm planning the first one in Pontiac, and once that's going, I envision a national company. I'm shooting for about 50 alleys in the first three years. Henry jumped in. Billy, if it was anyone but you, I would not give it a rat's chance for success. But you seem to be able to sell anything. Why not bowling alleys? Besides, we won't have you competing with us anymore, he added with a wry smile. Best of luck to you in your venture. Thanks, Henry. Now we should be winding up our meal here. Back to the main purpose of getting together. I propose a toast to Walter. We know that you have several months left before you go, but we are happy we could get together and wish you a happy retirement. So here is the best to you in the future, he said, lifting his wine glass. Cheers, added Henry, raising his glass of lemonade. The very best to you. <laughs> so uh, Durant, unfortunately, had a stroke and was never to carry, never able to carry out his uh, plan to uh, develop bowling alleys, but it happened, and bowling alleys were a big thing in this country after that, mm -hmm. so he had some vision there. Uh, yeah. And now, uh, the first conversation that I read you between um, Malcolmson and Ford, you mm -hmm. know, when they, when they founded the Henry Ford, or the Ford Motor Company, was really based they had to meet and they had to talk, right? And so I just made up the words. This last one, I made up the whole meeting. You know, there's no recorded meeting of, of these three guys, but I wanted to bring it together because once Walter exited the big three, you know, then the title of my book was The Formation of the Big Three, you know, with, with these three. And mm -hmm. I go on and I talk about some things that happened later, like unionization and everything. But... Um, I, I kind of wanted to to pull the big th the to turn the big three in and kind of cement this. So so I made that meeting up. But again, mm -hmm. the stuff they talked about, the bowling alleys and uh, KT Keller taking over Chrysler and Henry Ford uh, uh, being a little too uh, too tight, <laughs> riding herd on his son Edsel. Those were all pretty well documented. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Well, that the the bowling alley thing was really cool. I didn't even know. Well, about it's interesting. That. I yeah. was giving one of my PowerPoint presentations on on uh, uh, Billy Durant and the founder of General Motors, and a fellow came up to me afterwards and he said, "As a kid, I lived in Pontiac." And he said, "I went into a bowling alley, and this nice old gray-haired man set the pins, you know, rendered me my shoes, poured my Coca-Cola." And he said, I went home and told my dad, you know, this, this nice old man uh, there at the bowling alley. He said, you know, that is the founder of General Motors. That's Billy Durant. Wow. That was his first bowling alley. <laughs> right there in yeah, Pontiac. Yeah. Wow. So I met a guy that experienced it, which was really neat. <laughs> that is very cool. Um, well, I, I appreciate it, Russell. Thank you for diving into this book um and giving some more insight on it um i'd like to finish with this game um i'm calling it just you pick okay there's no rules to it there's no criteria i'm just gonna throw out is there a prize there <laughs> <laughs> I, I should have a prize no, i didn't I'm come kidding. prepared with a prize today 
but I have, you know, just in honor of mm-hmm. uh, what you've written, okay. stuff you do with uh, your production company mm-hmm. and these uh, historical mm-hmm. figures, I'm going to throw out two names each round. Okay. You got to pick one. Okay. And I'm not setting a criteria. It's mm-hmm. whatever you want it to be. Then and do I tell you why I picked it? or you, If you want oh. to. If, if you want okay. to or you don't have yeah, to okay. at all. And the there's a mix in here of um, historical mm-hmm. figures and some people who are still alive today. Okay. <laughs> from various facets of American life. All right. So I'll start with Henry Ford or Billy Durant. Uh, Billy Durant. Uh, he was a dreamer. Uh, he was a salesman. He he built uh, he built a company uh, you know by by pulling in other people uh, that had started things and and were trying to be successful and and he had his own uh, his own uh, shortcomings um, I, I guess although Henry uh, was terribly successful and captured the fifty uh, percent of the market at one time. Um, I, I, I guess what's always kind of bothered me is his stubbornness when, uh, because, because he wouldn't listen to his people and develop new models, he lost that tremendous lead that he had. And, and it really, you know, was not overcome, at least, at least for uh, many years. It does, it was for a while and then back and forth, but, but he, he lost that lead, you know, kind of out of his, of his stubbornness. Uh, okay. But it, it was close. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, Henry Ford is a, is an icon of the industry and deserves every bit of credit he gets. Mm-hmm. But you asked me. <laughs> <laughs> How about Walter Chrysler or Henry Leland? Um, well, Walter Chrysler again. He he, he was uh, uh, didn't have a lot of formal education. He he, uh, but he was a doer. And, and he managed people. He was well known for his people skills, and he was successful. And uh, um, you know, Leland was very instrumental in in uh, um, the uh, uh, Cadillac, uh, starting the Cadillac company. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he wasn't much of a businessman, and and that's why <laughs> Ford was able to buy it uh, really inexpensively, and so. Uh, yeah, uh, Leland was was instrumental in in engineering wise, mm-hmm. but uh, but Chrysler was was a doer. Okay, we're going uh current now. Okay, Mark Zuckerberg or Jack Dorsey? I'm sorry, I should know who Jack Dorsey is. So tell oh. me. Oh, he's <laughs> uh, one of the founders of Twitter. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I'm showing my age. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I guess Zuckerberg, <laughs> he's, he, he made things happen that, that I'm aware of. And, uh, you know, since I really don't know much about Dorsey and I'm, I'm not really a Twitter fan. <laughs> All right. How about this one? Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos? Oh, That's interesting. I, I I I have to give it to Musk. I I personally uh, 
don't like some of his personal characteristics the more I learn about him. But again, in my presentation on electric cars, I talk about, you know, where he grew up and, and everything. But, you know, he, here's a guy that just kind of started with nothing and uh, got some money by, by building an early uh, uh, electronic book company that he sold, made money, and, and got bought out by somebody else and finally had some money and, and uh, started SpaceX, this rocket company that's sending people into the space and started a electric car company. And here you had the big three out there, and, and they knew electric cars were coming, and they were working on it. And, you know, he jumped in and did it. <laughs> and uh, we don't know whether he will eventually be a major player in there or once mm -hmm. the big three gets into it, whether uh, he will be, you know, kind of left in the lurch. We don't know. But, hey, uh, he, he certainly did it. How about... The Dodge Brothers or the Wright Brothers? Oh, the Wright Brothers. A and again, uh, uh, I just wrote a book. <laughs> I said where I had <laughs> Wright Brothers. Dodge Brothers were characters. They were real salty guys. Again, they were uh, they were salty the earth guys, mechanics who, uh, you know, built their own company, a very good company and, and very successful. Um, they they had uh, drinking problems. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're a bit uh, we're a bit wild and they were fun and I've got a chapter in the book where uh, uh, they have an argument with Henry Ford mm -hmm. yeah. and uh, and they're pretty earthy yeah um, but uh, the Wright brothers uh, yeah they um, they kind of started this they were bicycle manufacturers and they kind of started aircraft as a hobby but they kept at it and kept at it mm -hmm. uh, they had a dream their father brought them a toy airplane powered by rubber bands when they were kids and they kind of had this dream about could a, could something be made where people could fly in it and uh -huh. have an engine instead of rubber bands and they and they did it yeah wow yeah. how about this one bill boeing or howard hughes Oh, Bill Boeing. I worked for Boeing for a few years. Oh, and, wow. Okay. And and of course, uh he uh he built a uh, you know, a wonderful company. Uh, and uh, I think one of the largest exporters uh, companies in the United States, if not the largest for many years uh, of, of exporting product to the world. Um, Howard Hughes, you know, was a fascinating guy. Uh, he um, had some e emotional issues and, you know, in his later li life became a real recluse. Mm -hmm. uh, and... Uh, um, I mean, that happens, but uh, certainly, uh, and Bill Boeing was uh, born in Detroit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. I got a, cur this one's slight curveball. Okay. <laughs> um, Johnny Carson or Bob Hope? Oh, boy, that that is a tough one. Um I guess Carson, you know, I, yeah. I just spent so many uh, evenings growing up uh, watching Carson uh, he was so good with people he did his skits he would do anything you know to uh, get himself involved in the skits um, Bob Hope was a tremendous comedian uh, just 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 tremendous uh, and uh, but uh, but Carson you know yeah Carson mm -hmm. kind of uh, brought uh, 
relaxation and, and humor into my life uh, every evening for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about Calvin Coolidge or Herbert Hoover? Uh, well, Coolidge, uh, I, I'd have to take Coolidge. And, and I don't know a lot about Coolidge, um, but Hoover... Uh, Hoover was the first businessman that was elected president <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, with no political uh, background. And um, in politics, you have to do a lot of negotiating and horse trading, and you don't get everything right away. And, you know, and sometimes in business, uh, depending on your style, uh, you can be fairly autocratic and you just kind of go your own way. And uh, Hoover. Um, just did not believe that depression would last, you know, and he really didn't do anything to uh, to cut it off. And uh, he kept thinking, oh, well, it's just a little blip in the economy. And by the time the Great Depression was there, why uh, we were in so deep. And, and he had no solution to get out of it, and uh, FDR did. Going along the same line, John F. Kennedy... Barack Obama. Oh boy, that's a tough one. <laughs> oh boy, I you know I I really can't. I'm sorry, that's a tie because um, <laughs> I I lived during the Kennedy years, uh, you know, and, and he was just a wonderful inspiration to the country and to the world. And um, Barack Obama, I I admire so much, you know, for for his career and for his presidency and the ground that he broke. Um, I have to tell you a little story. Of, uh, I, I had a conversation yeah, with Bobby Kennedy. Wow. Uh, and uh, I was skiing at um, Sun Valley, Idaho uh, with my wife. And <clears throat> we went over to the lodge building, and we were going to make a dinner reservation. And there was a big sign that said, uh, coats and ties and long dresses required. Well, we had ski stuff. We had driven over from Seattle. I was working for Boeing. We lived in Seattle. Drove over there. And I said, we don't have any of this stuff. Where can we eat? And they said, well, the Lion, Lion's Head Pub, you know, is good. So I said, okay. So I went over to Lion's Head Pub, made the reservation, and walking back to our room, it was. I remember it slowing, snowing slightly, and I, I kind of had my head down so my glasses wouldn't get snow on them, and I'm walking, and there's a fellow coming toward me. And the things you never forget, one pant leg was tucked in and one wasn't. I just remembered that. And so we get, a, and his head was kind of down too because of the snow. And so we got as close as you and I are together. And I looked up and it was Bobby Kennedy. And I said, hi. And he said, hi. And we passed each other. So isn't wow. a conversation two people talking to each other? <laughs> so I had a conversation with Bobby Kennedy. Wow. Uh, this was a, a, a year after JFK had been killed, and Bobby was there with Jackie. I stood in line, uh, in the hamburger line behind Jackie for hamburgers and stuff. And wow. Anyway, we went over to the Lions Pub that night, and the Kennedys came in. So they hadn't brought in their fancy duds either. Wow. <laughs> I didn't eat awesome with them, story. but <laughs> <laughs> had the same waitress. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Wow, what a yeah, story. Yeah. Jeez. So Kennedy gets the, the nod. Ke- Kennedy gets the nod. Uh, well, no, still a tie. Still a tie? Still a tie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, here's another 
Well, before I throw you the curve yeah. that curveball, how Harry Truman, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Oh well, I I portray both of those yeah. in 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 my uh, interactive things, uh, and I, I love them both. Um, oh, FDR, of course, he, four terms, uh, got us through the war. Um, did did things to the economy, and a lot of people don't like some of the programs he started. But there'd be no, I mean, he started Social Security. He started. Uh, um, uh, just a lot, of, a lot of programs supporting, you know, support programs for people that in our society they didn't have support before, um, and uh, uh, and he was he was just a, just a wonderful person, and and overcoming his polio, uh, you know, a lot of people really thought he could walk, but he really couldn't. He he had these metal braces, and he really just kind of threw his legs. And he was always had somebody on his arm, norm, uh, usually his son James, uh, and and even walking from back of a of a area to a podium at a convention would hurt physically was painful for him. So uh, to to think that he did all of that and and did it while he had you know he got polio at age thirty nine and uh, and did all this stuff after after that. So admire him tremendously. Truman, I really admire. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he really didn't want to be, he didn't even want to be vice president. <laughs> he wanted to be a senator. You know, he was kind of a homespun guy, not educated. And, and uh, the party said, oh, you know, you, we, the other candidates for vice president, none of them will help FDR win that next term, but you will because you'll help with the South. And, and, they saw him as kind of a bland guy who maybe didn't have a lot of positives, but didn't have any <laughs> baggage. <laughs> so, so he they talked him into running, and then uh, FDR uh, died four months after he was in, and he um, he uh, ended the war in in Europe. Well, it was almost ended. He he went to the first meeting of the United Nations. He had to make the decisions about the atomic bomb. Ended the war in Japan. Tough tough decisions. Um, and and went on to do some pioneering things in civil rights and in healthcare. Mm -hmm. uh, just uh, you know, I just loved the guy. He was he was just uh, uh, a uh, um, just a tremendous tremendous underrated guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Last presidential political okay. one. Teddy Roosevelt, Ronald Reagan. Oh boy, um, I I guess uh, Ronald Reagan. I I I'm an independent voter, and I've you know I voted both Democrat and Republican. Um, Teddy Roosevelt. I've, I've seen a lot of videos on him and read stuff, and he was a character, and and uh, he was inspirational and things. Um, but um, again, probably because I lived during the you know the Reagan years, and um, he, he was a great communicator. You know, he he honestly could could get people to work across the aisle. You know, and which people have trouble with today. <coughs> but but he uh, he was able to bring in uh, 
in in people you know from a, a wide variety of backgrounds and and kind of make make things happen uh yeah two more this is the curveball <clears throat> stanley kubrick steven spielberg i guess i'm a spielberg guy <laughs> yeah yeah um uh the uh the uh, yeah he just does so much so well mm-hmm. and um uh, uh what's the one about the uh, the german uh trying to think the german concentration camps the one he did there's uh schindler's list schindler's list yeah. yeah that was just that was just so important in terms of you know historical bringing that to life i think yeah yeah and then last one, Thomas Edison <laughs> or Nikola Tesla? Oh, uh, well, Edison, Edison. I portray Edison, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, Tesla um, uh, developed um, um, the... Uh, um, direct uh alternating current and and uh and edison <laughs> uh was using um um direct current and uh and so they you know they they both had different ideas and then um 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 what's the uh oh gosh the guy that's uh i think of him as refrigerators now but uh he uh he he kind of took over from tesla and had the uh, had the current wars with Edison, where mm-hmm. uh, they were they were and and finally actually alternating current won out <laughs> in the long run, but it took a while before they could reduce the dangers of it, uh, um, and so um, and or or to make it to make it uh, uh, um, cover long distances and so forth. So mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, Edison, he he was. Uh, he was a character, but he was uh, uh, obviously uh, invented the uh, you know the electric lamp and the the movie camera and projector and mm-hmm. um, just uh, yeah was a, the the leading scientist at the mm-hmm. time. Uh, nice, you are off the hot seat, Russell. Okay. <laughs> well, that was interesting. Uh, yeah. No, 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 no knowledge that we were going to do that, but it was fun. Yeah. It was fun. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, inspired from a podcast I listened mm-hmm. to, uh, which is actually a music um, hip hop mm-hmm. podcast where they have their guests pick mm-hmm. different artists and they just tell them no criteria. Mm-hmm. It's whatever criteria you you want it to be. And they just give them yeah. two choices. And okay. Wherever your mind yeah. takes you. Yeah. Um, Russell Dore, thank you very much for mm-hmm. sitting down with me and doing this uh interview i enjoyed your book motor city drama um you can get it on amazon (laughs) amazon that's where i got it yep (laughs) on amazon Mm -hmm. and your new um your new book again on aviation they put america in the air Uh, that's on amazon too awesome Uh, and uh both of them have a kindle version okay so uh and for people uh, they want to know a little bit more. Would they go to your production company website? website yeah, yeah. It's um, Doré Productions. D O R E Productions. 
www.weebly.com. And I got a list of all my presentations there and information on the books and on some interviews, uh, video interviews and video segments from some of my uh, interactive things. Yeah, great. Well, Very thank cool. you for inviting me. It's been fun. Yeah, and I... Um Sorry, we went an hour 20, so I know <laughs> it's, we did a long one, uh, but I appreciate you okay. sticking with me okay. and, and taking the time to speak about, I think, such a important part of American history. And I hope that as you continue to do your presentations, you start to see more and more younger people <laughs> in attendance. Um yeah. And I will, I will do my best. I will do my part okay. with my future children <laughs> in helping them to understand yeah. American history. And Russell Duray, thank you very much again. Hey, thank you.